Hello, this is Terry Cheek. I want to thank you for choosing our broadcast, and my prayer is that it will be an encouragement to your walk with the Lord. Comments or questions can be directed to me via the link on our sermon audio page. Now, on to your selection. I know some time ago, I started a series on the book of Revelation. And the holidays and things of that nature got in the way. And, well, they come up and they took precedence. They didn't really get in the way. They took a precedent. We got through those and we started the new year. We've had a couple of messages about things pertaining to that. But today I want to go back and I want to get us back into Revelation. And I want to get us to a point where we're back looking at the seven churches today. And we're seeing them not just as a historical church because they were a literal group of people who lived. As a matter of fact, the church that we're going to look at today, Smyrna, is still in existence. It's known by a different name today, but it's still in existence. There's still a, a Christian body there that is worshiping today. So we're going to look at Revelation chapter 2, and I'm going to begin reading with verse number 8. Revelation chapter 2 and verse number 8 this morning. And unto the angel of the church in Smyrna write this, These things saith the first and the last, which was dead in his life. I know thy works, and thy tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews, and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Fear none of those things which, shall, which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of a second death. May God add blessings to the reading of his word this morning. And again, as we go back into our message and we're looking, the church of Smyrna, like I said, still is a church in existence today. It is in the Turkish town called Izmir, I-Z-M-I-R. And it is the only church of the seven churches of Revelation that still has a Christian church there, still a church today. The rest have perished. They've fallen along the way. They've been taken over uh, by other groups, by other religions, and by other thoughts and, and other worships, by false idols and by false gods. In John's day, though, when he wrote this, Smyrna had a church, a very active church, but it was a church that was being persecuted by the government, by Rome. It was also a church that was being persecuted by the Jews, by Judaism. It was a church that was being persecuted by other false religions. So there was a lot going on. The church was faced with a whole lot of trouble, a whole lot of problems, a whole lot of difficulties. Now in John's day when he wrote this, if you were a Christian, you really did have a target on your back. It was really a very socially unacceptable thing to be a Christian. 
If you were a Christian, you were fired from your job. If you were a Christian, you were kicked out of your home. If you were a Christian, you were made fun of and laughed at. If you were a Christian, they would actually throw rocks at you. They would literally try to kill you, try to run you out of town. But the church continued to survive. And not only did it survive, but it thrived. It grew. In spite of all of that, the communities all knew, if you're going to go over and if you're going to join with those people, you're going to pay a price. And they knew it. But yet something continued to draw people to the church. So what was it? What was it that made people so so anxious to come join the church knowing that it was going to bring so much heartache, so much anguish, so much suffering into their lives? Why would people want to do that? Today, the church is is welcoming, it is loving, it is kind. Yes, there are some misguided people in churches today. Those have always been there, and we're going to see some of those in our passage. But today, no one is persecuted for coming and joining the church. Today, no one is being fired for being a Christian. Today, no one is being ran out of town because they're a Christian. And yet, we can't seem to get people to come to church and to be a part of the church today. What's the difference? You would think that in John's day, people would be running from the church. And they would be fleeing it. Not running to it. And you would think that in our day, people would be running to it. Not running away from it instead of it being just the opposite in both in both cases well I believe we're going to find out this morning when we look at the text and when we examine the text that we're going to see the difference is Jesus the difference is Jesus and we're also going to see and realize today that there are that the church does have a group of people running to it today. Not running, not just everyone running away from it. We're going to see that there's a lot of similarities between what we're going through today and what the church in Smyrna was going through in John's day. And not only are we going to see some similarities, we're also going to see how it applies in our lives today. And that's where the rubber meets the road in studying the Bible. Where does it apply in my life today? Where does it apply in the society and in the culture that I live in today? What should I be doing? How should I be behaving and reacting? How close is my life to what God wants and how do I need to get it closer if that's needed? I hope we're going to look at some of those answers, find some of those answers today. And if we don't find all of the answers, we're going to find the pathway that gets us there. 
so that in the weeks to come we can see more and more and more about what God wants in all of our lives, what He wants in the church, and how He wants us to accept, react, behave, and grow. So there are some things going on here in our text that I want us to see this morning. First, I want us to see that God knows our heart regardless of our words. And why do I say regardless of our words? Because we can say anything. We can literally say anything we want to say. And we can make it sound good. We can have a churchy vocabulary. And when I say that, have you ever walked into a church and it just seems like everybody's talking in a different language? They, they, they all kind of have their little language that they talk in. and It's uh, amen brother or amen sister, glory to God, glad to see you this morning. Uh, uh, brother, sister, welcome and, and this, that and they have, and there's nothing wrong with those. But have you ever walked into that situation and because of the vocabulary that they used and the way that they were talking with each other, it kind of made you feel left out? It made you feel like, gee, I don't really understand what they're saying or how they're talking or what they mean. I've been there. I've been there early when I started my Christian walk. And I was going around and I was looking for churches and I was visiting churches and I would go into these churches and they would, some of them would have their own vocabulary that they would use in their own language basically that they spoke in. And I just didn't understand it and I'm thinking, my goodness, I don't need to come back here because I'm not, I'm not, I'm not good enough yet because I can't speak their language. There are those kind of words and those kind of things that are out there. Also, there are the words that are deliberately and intentionally misleading. Have you ever been in sitting in your home and the church come to visit? And you didn't want to be rude because they knew you were there. They heard the television playing. Well, they heard the kids playing. They knocked on the door. And it was pretty obvious it was a church group. So you open the door to be nice and you let them in. And you answer all of their questions just by the way that you know to answer them because you've been through this before. But yet you know in your heart that you have no real intentions of going to visit them or any other church. Now let's just be honest. We've all been there. I've been there. I've been to home when I was a child when my parents were there and they would go through that very same thing. I learned it from them. I'm not blaming them for my mistake, but I'm just saying I learned it from them. We learned to do that. Those words are not acceptable words, not to God. They, God knew our heart. He knew that we had no intentions. But there came that time when we did go. 
There came that time and that moment in our walk in life where we went to church. We were there. We heard the preaching of God's Word. We experienced the love and the moving of the Holy Spirit in our heart and in our life. And then we went down and we answered God's call for salvation. We asked Jesus into our heart. We asked Him to save our soul. And then we had a heart that spoke words that God knew as well. God knew and He recognized those words. Why do I go through all of that to bring us down to this? God, first of all, knows His people. He says that He knows the works and the tribulations of those people in Smyrna. He knows because they suffered through the faith. God knows your words and your works and your tribulations and your troubles. God knows them. And God does not hold that other stuff against those that are born again. If you've been saved today, if you're born again, and you know you have that relationship with God through Jesus Christ, any of those other words in the past are not existent anymore. God does not hear them. God does not remember them. God does not deal with them. And that's a point where if you could ever say amen and praise God in your life, now is an opportunity for you to. The past is forgotten. It's covered under the blood of Christ. He does know also your words of suffering and your trials today. Whatever it is you're struggling with and you're facing in life this morning, God knows about it. He knows. He knows if you're being persecuted for your Christianity today. He knows if you are, if you've made a stand for Christ and you've said, I'm not going to allow me and my children to be subjected to ungodly lifestyles and ungodly things anymore. And because of that stand, you find yourself in persecution today. God knows it. He knows the things that you're dealing with and the things that you're struggling with this morning. And He wants you to know today that just as He has been with every other generation of people before you, God is going to be with you through your struggles and through your trials and through your difficulties and through your suffering. He will be there. He is there today and He will be there tomorrow. So then we come down to the question, why does God allow it? If God knows my heart and if God knows my circumstances, why does He allow me to keep going through this? As I've told you before, he allows you to keep going through it and allows me to keep going through it because we are His children and because He wants to teach us something. He wants to make it real and make it known in our life how these struggles are going to hurt us if we happen to be tempted to go back to them. And He wants us to know how much He loves us and how powerful He is in helping us through them and helping us overcome them. Whatever it is you're dealing with in life, whether it is substance abuse, whether it is an addiction, whether it is a relationship problem, 
whether it is a job problem, whatever it might be, whatever it might be, God has allowed it to put you in the spot that you're in so that he can show you the real, true way through it. The people in Smyrna, they were good people. But not all of them were true people. Some of them were fake. Some of them were pretending to be the church when they really wasn't. He knew the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but of the synagogue of Satan. Hey, there were people there that were praying church. They were sitting in the congregations on Sunday morning. They were singing the hymns. They were listening to the preaching. They were participating in the work. But their heart was not as close to God. And God wanted all of them to know, just as He knows who the pure and the true are, He also knows who the pretenders are. The suffering and the struggles and the trials of life are left there and they leave us with a vivid memory of what we've been through so that we don't become a pretender. So that we do not become a pretender. There's going to always be a temptation in life to go back to the way things was. You know why? Because we as people do not like change. We don't like change in our lives. We don't like change in anything that goes on in life. We want everything to stay just as it is. We want to be able to keep doing things just as we've always done them, but we want the outcome to be different. Do you know what that's called? It's called insanity. Doing the same thing over and over and over again but expecting a different outcome is impossible to achieve. Because if we keep going through the same thing over and over and over again, and we, we should only expect the very same outcome. Those people who are pretending in the church are people who are going through the same life over and over, the same sin, the same disobedience, the same struggles. They're going down the same roads over and over and over again in life but they're expecting a different result. They're expecting God to somehow embrace them and throw his arms around them and tell them that everything's going to be all right, but he's not going to do it because he expects change. Those people who were pretending in Smyrna, they were people who were refusing to change. They were refusing to change and meet God on his terms, on his specifications. They were refusing to meet God where he wanted God, where God wanted them to be. They thought it would be okay if they just pretended to go around. The same thing happens to us in life. When we know and when God has shown us that there are things going wrong in our life and things that need to be changed, and we understand that they need to be changed, we might even admit that they need to be changed. But we don't make that change. We refuse it. We want to continue on the same way, living the same life, going the same roads, hoping God will just 
change what's at the end of the road for us. But he won't do it. He won't do it. Why? Because we have a tendency of going down a path that's disobedient and ungodly. All of us do. We have a tendency to do that. That's why our relationship through Jesus Christ is so important. I told you earlier at the beginning, the one difference, the one defining difference in what makes people run to the church instead of away from the church is Jesus Christ. And that's why. He, Jesus, makes a difference. He is the only one that makes a difference. Jesus is the only one that made a difference in Smyrna. Jesus was the one that separated the pretenders from the church. He was the one that made the difference. The real church, the church of Smyrna, they worshipped Jesus. Regardless of what it cost them, regardless of what they had to give up, regardless of anything, they were there with Jesus. Now the pretenders, those that John called of the synagogue of Satan, those folks were there and they were never a part of God. They were popular. And there were some folks that saw them and said, hey, look, that's what I want to be. But God said, I know their heart and I know the heart of my church. The difference was in Jesus. This morning, if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and if you make a commitment to follow Jesus as your Lord and Savior today, and you, you're not in that direction, I promise you, before the day is out, there will be tribulation in your life that tries to turn you back against Jesus. I promise you that. Because that's how the devil operates. Every step that you take closer to Jesus, the devil puts a roadblock in front of you trying to discourage you and send you the other way. He will always do it. He always has done it. Absolutely nothing to lose. The devil never has to worry about being saved or forgiven because he can't be. If you're saved this morning, the devil does not worry about getting your soul because he knows he can't have it. But you know what he can do? He can stop you from influencing other people. He can stop you from being a child of God and being a good influence on others and turning other people to Jesus Christ. And that's what he wants to do. To the Christian, the devil wants to turn you. He wants to destroy your testimony. He wants to destroy your witness. He wants to bring you down to the level that you were before you were saved so that other people will not look at you and see Jesus Christ in your life. That's what the devil wants to do. And the devil has no ethics. The devil does not care to use your children against you. The devil does not care to use your parents against you. The devil does not care to use your siblings against you. The devil does not care to use employers against you. He does not care to use anyone in any given time, any situation. The government, anyone. He doesn't care. He will use anything he can as a tool to bring down 
and try to discredit the church. And I don't want to give you a warning. Because God's Word is full of these warnings. Full of people that suffered. Full of people who gave in. And I'm talking about good people that we respect. The Apostle Peter. Jesus told the Apostle Peter, before the day is over, before the rooster crows three times, you will deny me. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he did. The devil is that slick. So when God is sending this letter to Smyrna, He's wanting people to know that He knows their heart. That we're not fooling God. And that's a very important thing that we all need to really soberly look at. That regardless of how we might try to spin things, and we all want to do that. We all want to spin situations or circumstances. Regardless of how we want to spin them, God knows the truth. So it's better for us if we just come to God and if we just lay it out on the line for Him and we just tell Him, God, here I am. Work it out through me. Work out the truth, the righteousness. Work out your will through me. Regardless of what it may cost me. As long as I'm in your will. As long as I'm in your work. As long as I'm doing things the way you want it done. Now that sounds good. That sounds good, but it can mean a lot of trouble. It could mean that we go through a whole lot for Christ. But His church is willing to do that. I mean, after all, Jesus Christ died on the cross for us. He died on the cross for you and I, that you and I may live in eternity. That you and I may that you and I may avoid the suffering of hell. It also points us to a ministry. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison that you may be tried and ye shall have tribulation ten days. There's problems, there's struggles, there are those things that are going to appear in our life because of the because of the position that we take. And when we take that position, we take it. We take it willingly. We take it willfully. Are you willing to say this morning that you're prepared to serve Jesus from this day forward regardless of what the devil may try to do in your life? If you are, you belong to a very special and a very unique group of people who make that dedication. And that's what it is. It's a dedication. It's a commitment. It's a commitment that puts you front line in the field of ministry. doesn't mean you're a preacher, a pastor, whatever. But it puts you out there and puts you on the front lines of putting Christ first in everything that you do. And as such, you're putting Him first in everything you do. You're putting Him first in your life and His 
his movement, his work, his effort in your life is coming out first and foremost as a testimony to that. People are seeing Christ in you. Now what does that do about ministry? It draws people to Jesus. I think it was the Apostle John that said, if Christ be lifted up, he will draw all men to him. The difference, the difference between being church and being religious is Jesus. The power, the authority of the church is Jesus. Why did people in Smyrna during John's day, why were they going to the church even though they knew that it was going to be a very disastrous time for them? That their life was going to be turned upside down and turbulent. But yet they still kept coming. They kept coming because of Jesus. Why do people come to the church today even though they know that there's going to be all kinds of ridicule, that the pretenders are going to cause all kinds of problems, that the pretenders are going to be stumbling blocks to them? Why do they still want to come? Because of Jesus. It is all because of Him. And it is all because of the testimony that others bring into your life that will put you in a spot where you want Him. Nothing else will work in your life and will accomplish in your life what Jesus Christ will. And I can't tell you what that's going to be because God knows the will for your life. He has a will and a purpose for your life. But I can tell you this from experience. From experience, I know that I spent a lot of time in my adult life running away from God. I spent a lot of time fleeing from Him and I regret it. I really do. Because now that I am on the front lines for Christ, now that I'm preaching, now that I begin ministry, now that I begin serving God, I regret not doing it when I was, when I was 10, 12, 15, 13 years old. So many things, so many difficulties in my life could have been avoided if I wouldn't have just followed Christ. And I realize there were many more difficulties. But I would have gotten through them much easier because of Jesus. I would have gotten through them much easier because I would have had Him in my life. And this morning, let me tell you from experience, if you're trying to weigh this out in your mind and in your heart this morning about do I want the struggles and the troubles of Christianity or do I want the struggles and the troubles of the world and the troubles of Christianity because through them you have Jesus to guide you through them. In the world, you don't have those. Smyrna, the church at Smyrna didn't. In the end, Jesus tells them, be faithful unto death and I will give you a crown of life. The true born-again Christian will be faithful until the end. You might have your downs and your struggles. You might have your hindrances that come in from time to time. But in the end, you're going to be faithful. And in the end, you're going to have that crown of life. Nowhere, nowhere can the devil promise you a crown of anything. The promises that he makes in this world today 
He is a liar. He won't fulfill them. He will make you promises that he has no intentions of keeping just to get you to walk in the opposite direction of God. But if we will be faithful, faithful until the end, we will have a crown of life. The promise of eternal life. If you're saved today, you have that promise of eternal life. Being faithful today will give that assurance of your salvation to us. Are you ready today? Are you ready to be that faithful person that lets others know you have a crown of life waiting on you? Are you ready to be the true, genuine church? Are you ready to be something other than a pretender this morning? Jesus closes when he says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. You have the power and the position today to be an overcomer. To be an overcomer of whatever it is that you feel like is holding you back this morning. To be an overcomer of the stumbling blocks that the devil has put in your life. To be an overcomer of the tribulations and the trials and the frustrations and the hurt. To be an overcomer of the world. But that only happens through Jesus Christ. He is the one that makes the difference. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the time and the privilege that you've given to open your word this morning. Thank you, dear Lord, for all of these ladies and their families. Heavenly Father, I pray that you know and as you see the struggles and the troubles in their lives, I pray that you'll encourage them to come to you and be overcomers in everything that they're struggling with, in anything that they feel hindered by. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus Christ this morning. And if there's anyone that doesn't know him as Lord and Savior, anyone that hears this message, may it touch hearts and may it touch lives. May it draw people closer to Jesus. In his name I pray. Amen.